you know what, Aggie? I'm feeling a lot of pressure today. <laughs> Why? Why? Well, you host your own podcast. Yeah, so? So, I need to figure this one out. Hello, and welcome to Clicked Off. Every week, we'll be hearing from the people making it big in e-commerce. I'm your host, Jason Chappell. Joining me today, I've got Aggie Maroney, founder of White Bee Digital, an e-commerce paid social agency and founder of the Freelance Ad Club. Aggie, thank you for joining me. Thanks so much, Jason. I'm looking forward to this. Well, look, I, I just said to you, I'm feeling a lot of pressure today. You are a fellow podcast host. Um, I, I have been fortunate enough to be invited on your podcast and we've talked about what I do. Um, but today I'm hoping we can we can learn a little bit more about you and what you do. Um, and I'm hoping we can we can give some gems to anybody who's listening. I hope so. I have to say it's quite nice being on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> well, the pressure's off for you. So I'm feeling all the exactly. pressure and you're feeling real comfortable. No, not at all. I have to say, like we're both quite similar. We just chat. So it's not that formal and it'll probably get a bit silly. <laughs> fingers crossed <laughs> so look talk to me um a little bit about white bee first let's let's touch on mm -hmm. let's touch on the ads side of things um straight off the yeah. bat so i'm a self-confessed ads geek absolutely love everything to do with ads i think it's fascinating especially for e-commerce usually when you speak to an ads manager they fall into two camps they're either a lead generation ads manager, so they'll usually work with service-based businesses, coaches, memberships, or you'll have e-commerce ads managers, and they're just completely geeky about selling stuff online. And I'm second camp, I'm e-commerce. So I, and it took me a while to get there. I wasn't sure at the beginning, but I, I just, I've always gravitated to e-commerce and I've been doing that exclusively for about three years now. Okay. So yeah, there's been so many changes. I mean, there's been a pandemic, there's been privacy updates, a whole like storm of stuff has been going on in the ads world and the e-commerce industry, as you know, as well. Mm -hmm. So it's been quite a lot to keep up to date with and making sure that our clients are thriving through the whole thing and reassuring them that there is no normal anymore. You know, lots of people say, is this the new normal? I was like, there was never a normal. <laughs> <laughs> I think, was it more normal, like pre-iOS 14 update that just hammered the privacy piece for everybody? Or was it just a little bit more Wild West? Do you know what? I think there's this massive, I well, this is my personal view. When people look back they always have rose tinted glasses on i remember so many people were still losing so much money like so many founders and businesses were still losing so much money when they advertised because they would just throw money on something and then it wouldn't work or they'd work with a dodgy agency or there's always there was always people losing money even before ios 14 it, and it was a bit wild west before then iOS 14 was very, very painful for a lot of e-commerce brands. So for anyone that is listening to this, I never assume that people know what I'm talking about. So it was like a privacy update by Apple, which meant that you had to give permission to have your data tracked 
and it was by default switched off. So overnight, basically, about 90% of Apple users um, didn't track their data on their Facebook ads anymore. And statistically, these were the more affluent people on the platform. So data tracking went down the toilet, everyone panicked. And honestly, a lot of brands were lazy. So and this, this sounds awful, but I'm just saying how, like, what I, what I saw before iOS oh, look, 14. I think, I think you're absolutely spot on. I think, <clears throat> actually, whilst it was really difficult, it's been a real positive for the industry in general. You know, we can see that now. <laughs> <laughs> At the time, it was pretty, like, grey hair inducing. But that was pretty much because we had the pandemic. So suddenly, everyone's online, everyone's got... Well, I'm saying not everyone. Obviously, lots of people had financial hardship during the pandemic. But for people that kept their jobs, they weren't traveling, they couldn't do anything. A lot of people had more disposable income. So what were they doing on social media? They were seeing ads and they were just spending lots of money. And people that had lost their jobs were suddenly setting up Shopify sites to support their families. So there was a whole huge influx of new e-commerce brands coming online which is great. I mean, it's people survived the pandemic through e-commerce, which I think, again, is amazing. But the main driver of traffic to their websites was Facebook ads. So they put all their eggs in one basket. They might have had maybe had an email service provider, you know, set up. Maybe they dabbled in Google, maybe not, you know, they, but Meta, Facebook, Instagram, that's where they were putting all their money. Suddenly, the iOS 14 update happened, which also coincided with the pandemic kind of winding down, things started opening up. So yeah, it, the the data changes started in January that year. Then the update happened March, April, 2021. And then people's sales started falling off a cliff basically because Facebook couldn't optimize because it couldn't find the, who was buying from your ads. Mm -hmm. So there was a massive leveler so some lockdowns were eased, some weren't, and then we were back in lockdown, then we weren't. Then, you know, it was a massive year of turmoil in general. But in the e-commerce world, it was even worse because suddenly people going back to work or not in at home as much. So we had that double whammy. Now, a lot of the smaller brands have are no longer with us. It's massively cold a lot of smaller players because cost of living crisis, cost of running a business, not being able to afford to invest in their marketing, what they needed to. I don't know, lots of businesses scaled too quickly and suddenly they didn't have as much revenue anymore and they just went bust. So there's, there was a massive crash in e-commerce after the pandemic. I think we're starting to, well, I think we're still in it a little bit. I think a lot of businesses are still I think 2023 um, has been quite a, quite a challenging year. For a lot of people mm -hmm, in e-commerce just because of uncertainty mm -hmm. i think the brands that have been able to adapt their offers so some brands i've noticed because i work with brands that have average order values of 40 pounds and brands that have average order values of ten thousand pounds so i literally work with brands across the whole spectrum oh my god can we talk about the ten thousand pound average order value what <laughs> sort of products are they selling that they have Please tell me. <laughs> luxury got yeah, luxury luxury gone furniture. Oh my god. Yeah, I love it. I love that niche. So like outdoor living, so furniture, pergolas, fire pits, fire pit tables, that kind of thing. Outdoor barbecues. So 
obviously they actually launched was it just before the pandemic or as the pandemic was starting to roll out so they were panicking big time because they just invested huge like thousands and thousands of pounds in stock and then the pandemic hit and they were thinking ah oh my goodness we're literally going to crumble because what 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 earth's going on no one knew did they at that time what on earth was about to happen but it actually works out really well for them because suddenly some people had more disposable income everyone was looking around their four walls thinking i need to sort out out this house and my garden because i'm going crazy so they did really well in the pandemic and it has continued for them they've been really successful um but again things change as well you know some people they don't even think twice about dropping ten thousand pounds on their garden other households is a really considered purchase so we do get sales directly from facebook ads so they'll see an ad and place an order over ten thousand pounds from ads and it's really controversial that i don't actually do lead generation campaigns for them it's all conversion campaigns and other ads managers i know in that niche are like why are you doing lead generation i was like because some people literally just want to buy for their garden in that moment and they want to know it's going to arrive in two weeks and it's done that is that is how it is Mm -hmm. and it's worked amazingly for them i mean let's dig into that side of things because i think that's a really key differentiator for like all of the brands out there you know running lead gen campaigns versus conversion campaigns and knowing where they should put budget and when to use each you know each type of campaign how do you see that so this is actually what i think distinguishes an ads manager from a great ads manager because as you know i I work with a lot of freelance ads managers i run a membership for them and this is something that comes up in our membership chats a lot it's like these these are my clients goals how should i get there and everyone has different ideas like there's no one way to reach your goals with ads and that's why i think it's fascinating as well and you have to test everything but i think with e-commerce and this is something that's just going to contradict what I just said. <laughs> For the high value e-commerce, <clears throat> you won't just run conversion ads. So I also work with a company that sells pre-loved luxury watches. They can sell watches for like £150,000. Okay, that's the kind of inventory they work with. Conversion ads don't work for them because no one's going to spend £150,000 on Facebook. Just on a whim. Yeah. But they use WhatsApp. WhatsApp ads are selling watches for them. Interesting. It's crazy. Like my my client was like, we sold three today. I was like, what? (laughs) So it was a first for me. I'd never run WhatsApp ads before for Mm -hmm. e-commerce. But the luxury niche is so unique. WhatsApp is where a lot of the business happens. And from one of my members actually did some work with Bista. Vista Village Mm -hmm. and a lot of the shops there have WhatsApp so a lot of the customers will be WhatsApping the store about their stock so I was like this is this is a really interesting development in my opinion because usually it's not SMS marketing at all but just that channel that direct personalized channel if you're selling very high value items I think that's not really talked about. I've never heard anyone t- talk about that before. No, I, I haven't. But do you know what? I had an experience not that long ago 
um, with Lick Paint. Now, okay, it, I mean, it, it's a cool brand anyway, and you get these massive sticky squares that are the colour of the paint you can stick on your wall. So you know exactly what it's going to look like, you know, when it turns up. And it comes in, you know, a, an old school, like metal tin, which is way better than all the plastic stuff. But I had an issue where there, I had ordered two tins of the same colour, but they were coming out slightly different when I put them on the wall. Mm. Um, so I WhatsApped them and it was awesome. It was such a good experience. And you can pick it back up, you know, the next day or a few days later. It was super easy to take pictures of, you know, of the wall and the differences in the paint. Just using my phone and then being able to WhatsApp it to them. They were super responsive. It was a great experience. I don't know why more people don't don't use it. I did actually have a conversation with another brand yesterday that I work with about using WhatsApp because they also have very high value products, probably a bit more than 10,000 even. And the founder was very reluctant to use WhatsApp because their goal for the year was to be on their phone less. And I think it doesn't, you know, it's just educating businesses about how those different channels work because it can all be on your computer. So you don't have to have it on your phone. You don't have to be there at night WhatsApping your customers, you know, automate a message to say, oh, opening hours of this, we will come back to you whenever, you know, manage the expectations. And I think people are okay with that. They understand that you're not there 24 seven to be answering a question about their products. And as you say, it's so easy to pick up again. So, you know, they might be on their commute to work or dropping the kids off or, you know, cooking dinner and suddenly they'll see that they've got a message you know, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like an ongoing conversation. Well, you can you can tie this up now with like your gorgeous account, like customer support, can't you? So your customer support representatives, or if you're a small smaller brand, if it's you, you can just have it on your laptop in your dashboard, you know, and that can be coming in. Those support queries can be coming in from your website or email or WhatsApp or any of those things all into that, that central place. So mm-hmm. it's not like it's sitting there on your personal phone and you're getting messages at 11 12 o'clock at night yeah what's that for business it's purposely set up for that so you can like assign it to different members of your team um but that's why i love e-commerce because things change so much and part of the magic is when you test something new so what are the best things people can be doing with their ads right now aggie we are august 2023 we'll put that caveat in there so if somebody's listening to this later and then starts implementing something and come back and say oh i listened to your advice aggie and it didn't work it's august 2023 (laughs) (laughs) what's the best thing someone can be doing right now i had to think about this because it's so different depending on your business and when your peaks and your troughs are because a lot of my well i'd say 50 percent of my clients have their peak over the summer Okay. So, for example, garden furniture. Um, and 50%, obviously, Q4 is when they make a lot of money for their company. So it, I'm going to go with, like, the Q4ers, so the people that are kind of revving up now for Q4. Let's do it, because every, everybody has about... to get ready now for Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Christmas. Sales yeah. are coming in. I'm, I mean, I'm, mm-hmm, I'm having strategy meetings with my clients now 
Um, last week, it was still July. We were planning out our Q4 strategy, what was happening. The reason why it needs to happen so early is you can't, if you, if you want to participate in Black Friday. So you don't have to. There's no rule to say you need to participate. But if you are going to, you cannot decide this the day before. <laughs> and I, I have had brands approach me like the week before saying, we need your help. We want to launch some ads for Black Friday. It's like, no way. You are way late. Like you should not be doing this. It's like the most expensive time of year to be running ads. August is when you will see in your feed lots of brands starting to build their email list. So with different incentives like join our super secret sale or get this you know this like this percentage off or get this free gift whatever it is like everyone's starting to get more creative these days to get those precious email addresses but cpms can go up like four or five four or five times over christmas so you're gonna be showing your ads to say 20 percent of the people that you would normally be showing them to it's just too expensive to be doing lots of prospecting in Q4. It's best to get those email addresses so you can then email that really warm list, your offers, your sales, your bundles, your incentives, all these things, you'll get a much higher ROI. So that's something that I cannot stress enough. <laughs> you need to be prepping for it now. But there are some things that brands just don't think about, which I find astonishing. So... <clears throat> A lot of brands, no matter their size, this happens with big brands as well, they think in quite a siloed way. So they'll think, okay, Q4's coming up. This is we need to just put more money in. And we need to like maybe book in a Christmas photo shoot now, if they're organized. Some of them do it in November, which is obviously a bit late. <laughs> um but operations, like, do you have enough stock? And then like, what is your lead time to get stock? Are your suppliers providing it on time? Are there global logistic problems like we had, you know, during the pandemic when the whole of China shut down and suddenly no one was getting any products or our Royal Mail striking again? You know, all these things you need to factor in that as risks to your bottom line. Fulfillment. <laughs> that is such a big thing. Like some brands I work with, they have outsourced fulfillment but they might not have outsourced enough. Like they haven't invested enough of the capacity that they will need. And then obviously you're dealing with customer service complaints because something hasn't arrived in time and little Jimmy's not going to get his toy. And you know, there's big drama and everything. And all I see in Q4 is founders on social media asking people not to complain. <laughs> and I'm like, was this avoidable? Like, you know, it's a very highly stressful time for a lot of families, especially now when budgets are tighter, they can't afford to rebuy the presents. So you need to make sure or you need to manage the expectations of when those gifts are going to be arriving for people. So, you know, have you thought about your emails? You know, all these things that aren't actually directly related to the ads, but have a massive impact. But that's such a good point, because I think all of those things, whilst technically, yes, the delivery is out of your control, you know, you can think about some of these things, but a bad experience from just from the delivery aspect reflects so badly on the brand. And it doesn't matter how well you handle it, somebody's still disappointed. So anything that yeah. you can do, absolutely to, to be able to mitigate any of those risks or, or, or manage them as much as you can. I think people will forgive you if 
Royal Mail are on strike or there's a barge that's beached itself in the Suez Canal and nobody's getting any product. You know, people understand they might be frustrated, but they understand. Whereas if you've been poor in your planning at the beginning, then all of a sudden you've got a problem that you could have avoided in the first place. Yeah, I think something that a lot of my clients struggle with is their forecasting because a lot of them have to order in from their suppliers and some like one of my clients has a four month lead time so she's and her stock has already been delayed somewhere for now so she's really low on stock she said it's the lowest stock she's ever had and I was like what is your Christmas stock on its way she's like it's left but I'm not I don't know when it's going to be here I was like that's obviously going to be really frustrating if she's got everything lined up and the stock isn't there so I think this is something that e-commerce, or I think any, like even brick and mortar businesses suffer from this as well, that inconsistency with getting their products in and then the frustration of customers who've been like eagerly waiting for something and it's still not there and, you know, trying to communicate that, say, you know, we've really tried our best and we'll try, we'll let you know. And it's the opportunity cost of that as well, because if it's something that there maybe not isn't a direct replica somewhere else but it's a niche where there's variations other businesses it's likely your customer will leave and go somewhere else so obviously you've marketed you've got people hungry chomping at the bit to buy your thing and it doesn't arrive and then they leave that's like a really frustrating thing to happen there's not really much you can do about that it's a really really tricky line to tread getting Mm. your stock management right because order too much and you've got stock sitting there with money tied up in it that you could mm-hmm. have used for ads or any kind of acquisition or marketing activity. Wages. Wages, yeah, any, any yeah. of those sorts of things. And then the flip side of that is if you don't have enough, you've done all of this work generating interest in it effectively for your competitors. Because like you said, people yeah. will go somewhere else and find it. It's, yeah, it's so tricky. And also something that has come up in the strategy calls I've had over the last week or so is doing the financials behind your Black Friday sales. So my clients do participate in them. And it's really important to make sure they're still profitable for you. So a lot of brands, unfortunately, just do it as a knee jerk panic thing, like a week or two weeks before and think, oh, my cash flow isn't as good as I wanted it to be. Let's just run a sale. And they actually make a loss because it hasn't been like they haven't forecast the expense of it. What you know, how much they're crunching their margins, how much you know, they're investing in the advertising for that sale. It's always the brands that have planned it a few months ahead. They know what their stock's going to be. They know what their what their pricing and their margins are. And then they run the sale and it's it's fine. It's profitable for them still, despite huge discounts. So, yeah, I think that's something that not enough brands are that confident on their numbers. Even the big ones. This isn't just small brands. No, I'd, I'd agree. And I, I post regularly about discounting and people's comprehension of the erosion of margin that it contributes to you know offering a 10% mm-hmm. discount which is so common on you know a first sale and those sorts of things 
your costs remain exactly the same. You're taking that 10% that you're giving somebody straight off your margin. And that's not 10% off your margin. That can be way more, way more, because you're taking 10% of the overall cost, you know, out of that. And when your margins are tight anyway, it can be really damaging. So I'm a massive advocate of people understanding their numbers and, and knowing which lever to pull when and how much you can realistically afford to discount by. Yeah, and I think that's a lot harder for brands that are resellers for other brands because obviously their margins are a lot tighter. And there were a few, I call, kind of call them COVID brands, <laughs> COVID businesses that popped up like e-commerce brands that were resellers and they don't exist anymore because they just couldn't compete, you know, on their margins with rising costs and having to advertise and marketing and fulfillment and everything. The margin from their supplier and what, what the recommended retail price was once they do that intro discount that you mentioned, you know, the pop up and all those things, they just weren't turning a profit anymore. So it's really tricky. I think it's really difficult. And I, the impression I get is there's a, a kind of misconception a little bit with e-commerce that people think I'll do it because it's a cheap way into being able to sell product and sure it, it can be cheaper or more cost effective than signing a lease on a building and going into a bricks and mortar store but the reality is it'll be a side hustle oh yeah a side okay. hustle <laughs> Yeah, the reality is it's quite different, right? There's so many things to consider and so many costs that, that go along with it that all of a sudden something that looked really quite healthy when you said, okay, I can buy the product at, at the, you know this price and I can sell it at that price. Well, that's great if that were just how it worked, but there are so many other moving parts in there. And mm -hmm. ads being a big, big part of that, you know, and, and ad costs fluctuate all the time right yeah and i have to say it's one of the reasons why i have not set up an e-commerce business because managing ads is such well it is a big part of the business but it's still such a small thing really in the scheme of what you need to do when you think about you know your website you know does it convert what your products like your supply chain your email marketing like there are just so many moving parts to the business happy as Larry for me to do the ads. You know, that's where I, what I love. I just wouldn't be able to get my head around all the operations and things like that that go into it. And it's very time consuming because there's always problems. You know, there's always a fire to put out somewhere, which is why I'm always in awe when businesses are still founder-led predominantly. Like, I don't know how they manage. I think that's really difficult. And um, I mean, how do you cope with the stress of running your own your own business you are a a one person operation largely I you know I, I know you have some some support in other areas but how do you deal with that yeah it's like taking me a lot not to laugh because I don't think any business owner has no stress <laughs> but do you know what there was a pivotal moment and we were talking briefly about this like before we started recording about how much what it takes to start a business like it literally like sucks all your life force out of you it's just you either make it or you don't I think through that first year it's just it's extremely challenging and I'm not sure about you but for me I was not only setting up a business it was a bit of an accident that it happened thanks to COVID but I was changing industry 
changing like changing profession um you know I've been in very like demanding corporate roles before in sales in the finance industry suddenly I was you know well I hate I hated it by the way <laughs> hence why I was like planning my escape for a while before I actually took the leap we'll talk about that in a but second was, because I think yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so many people have ended up in e-commerce either through they've been in a corporate role and hated it and mm-hmm. then just looked at their life and thought what is it I want to do next <laughs> okay so I was working for global financial institutions in the city of London I was working in their sales teams it was fun for a while and then it wasn't at all I think it's it's different when you're a woman I think as well in that situation like it's fine until you get to a certain certain seniority and then it's just not that great anymore um and I was like I just this is not me I kind of fell into the industry because I came back from backpacking I was skint when I was in my early 20s and I actually applied for a PA role at an investment company they're like you'll be great in sales I was like I don't want to do sales I literally thought Wolf and Wall Street nightmare (laughs) but it was more account management which was fine you know I was supporting this crazy sales guy in the north he was absolutely bonkers but I loved him and we just kind of worked really well together so I worked there for a bit and then obviously 10 years on I progressed in different companies or whatever and it got to the point where I was like, I'm just bored. Like I did not like finance is literally the opposite of what my like zone of genius is. People is what I love, you know, hanging out with people and I love dynamic people with ideas. And let's just say the finance industry is a bit stagnant. <laughs> like there are lots of very bright people there, but it's very, very regulated. So the innovation isn't that great and it's it's quite stifling if you've been there for a while. And then by chance, I started listening to founder stories on podcasts on my tube commuting to work. And I came across the unofficial Shopify podcast and I was absolutely hooked. I like, couldn't get enough of those episodes, just hearing that about such a how good people podcast. have made. That's such a good Yeah, I mean, podcast. I haven't listened to it since, you know. Like, <laughs> oh, so it's not it's that good. Those... <laughs> I don't know, like life happens. You know, I just haven't really like gone back to it, but it was enough for me to realize there were other newer industries around that were very interesting and fresh and anyone could have a go. You know, it was like anyone's background could give value to that industry because it was new and no one grew up being in e-commerce. I know that's changing now with grads coming in and working straight in e-commerce brands. But when I was at uni, Facebook ads didn't exist. Facebook was just coming out. So it probably shows what my age is, but I didn't have, I had no idea this was coming. So that's why it's quite interesting. I have no idea what my son's going to do because it probably doesn't exist yet. (laughs) But um, I was like, okay, digital marketing, I need to have, like, I need to get more involved with that because it sounds really interesting. And by chance in my role, I was starting to get more involved with the digital marketing team and their social media and blah, blah, blah. Then I went and had a baby, got made redundant when I was away. And I was like, I've already like sussed what post-grad I'm going to do and how I'm retraining. So I was like, this is actually perfect. So it kind of pushed me to leave to retrain. And then just as I was coming to the end of my maternity leave, you know, this little virus popped up in China. <laughs> so I had, I did have my life planned out. There's like an amazing agency, like just down the road from me. I was going to apply to be a paid social manager there. 
I was going to do my nine to five, be able to pick up my son from nursery. That was what I had planned. Obviously, no one's hiring during a like pandemic breakout because everyone's firing their staff. Right, every agency was just saying bye to everyone. Mm-hmm. And then the, the roles I saw, it's like you get a ping pong table and a beer fridge. I was like, I just want to know I can leave on time. Yeah, that's not a benefit. Like, I, I, that's, that's really not a not, benefit. I'm not interested at all in like going to the pub with what with like 18 year olds really and it made me realize actually how undiverse a lot of agencies are um just from an age perspective i'm sure there are other diversity issues as well but i've not worked in-house at agencies so i'm not sure what the systematic like well, you know do you know what i think things are. I, I think even part of the world we don't live that far from each other aggie and i think in the part of the world where we live it's really sadly quite homogenous you know, and it, it's yeah. not particularly diverse. And I think that's a real shame because I think we're missing out on being able to benefit from everybody else's worldviews and experiences and, and knowledge and expertise and thoughts. Yeah. So it's like, crikey, no one wants a 30-something new mum to do their ads like as a career changer. But you know what? It totally put a fire in me. I was like, right, I'm going to have to start a business because I need to earn money. I was like, okay, here we go. Literally know nothing. Like, I have no idea how to run a business. Like, this is a whole new industry for me. Because a lot of people that go freelance that I know, they have been in the marketing world for a while. So maybe they've worked in-house with e-commerce brands or they've worked for agencies or whatever. So they've already got a network. I knew no one. I literally had to build my network from scratch. So that is the tiring part, I think, of starting a business from zero because you've got so much energy to put out there to meet people. Online, it was a little bit easier for me, I think, because I got to meet people all over the world, really, from my home office, which was not actually this setup at the time. It was like in crushing a corner of my house. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, that first year nearly broke me. But it kind of came round the facts about how I started to cope with the stress because things were going well and I was doing absolutely everything in my business. And I just remember going on my family holiday and I was walking on the beach listening to an audible book. I think it's something like Make the Leap or something like that. It's all about your zone of genius and how you outsource things. And it was just such a light bulb moment for me. So I was like, right, what do I actually hate doing? And what do I love doing? And I said, all I love doing really is managing ads. Everything else that comes with running a business, I hate. <laughs> so, you know, creating social media content, I don't like. I do all my own captions, but any graphics I outsource now. I have a VA who helps me with all my admin stuff. You know, all these things that were taking up my time, I just outsourced it. So now I'm doing business development for myself, which I love. And it kind of ties into what I was doing in my previous career. So, you know, no, nothing's wasted in what you do in your life and managing ads and strategy. I absolutely love that. So that was like my white bee business. And then last year I was feeling a little bit bereft (laughs) and lonely as a freelance ads manager, because a lot of the communities I was in, they were like very green ads managers so maybe it wasn't their pure specialism maybe they're organic social media managers had trained done a course or something but no one was like super serious about ads and I thought I just need to find my people like where are you like you must exist like there must be other freelancers (laughs) like me so so I set up a free group I set up a free slack last 
Easter, I think. And I invited my mates to join. I was like, let's just get geeky in here. And then like 140 people joined. I was like, that is insane. Um, and it was taking up a lot of my time. So I was like, right, I need to just monetize this just so I can at least cover my costs. So now I run a membership. <laughs> so that's been going since January. And this is the freelance ads club, right? Mm, yeah. So so it was, it was, it was created for purely selfish reasons. <laughs> uh, but you now have members in this, mm-hmm. in this club. It's still a Slack group, but a paid Slack group. It is. So it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a closed community. Who's there? Why are they there? What's the, what's the value for them? Yeah. So I'm quite strict on who joins. So this is purely for trained ads managers. So if it's something that you're looking to change into, you want to retrain, this isn't for you because these are ads managers that already have their own clients or they might actually be working at agencies at the moment, but looking to go freelance. Um, some work in house at brands but they, they do a bit of freelancing on the side. So you have to be trained with a bit of experience, I think, to make the most of it, because we do talk about quite techie, geeky things in there um, and have that direct client element to your business as well, because a lot of the things that we talk to each other about and kind of bounce ideas off is a lot of it's client management. So what would you charge for this? My clients just email me this. Like, I'm not sure what to say. Has anyone had this before? So it's it's literally just like a safe space. Whenever we have calls, they're never recorded. So, you you know, it's completely confidential. Um, you can share your client accounts in there when we have calls and we can brainstorm things. So it's quite, it's a really nice community. Like everyone's very generous with their knowledge. I'm not like an ads guru. So, you know, a lot of the ads memberships are by someone that's like got their own course or their own superstar status in the ads world. This isn't about that. This is about community sharing knowledge, supporting each other. I mean, we have a WTAF channel in there. So it's like when we have those crazy (laughs) business moments and you're thinking, what the hell is this? You can share and everyone has has had that experience at some point that you're sharing so it's quite a reassuring place that you're not alone and that is exactly what I wanted to create in there but this is a great place for you know brands and merchants to find ads managers right so you are super generous in terms of hooking people up um you know if you know there's Mm -hmm. a need people with capacity people with a specialist in a certain uh, specialism in a certain mm-hmm. niche those sorts of things so whilst the community is for those those ads managers you guys are, are great at being able to match ads managers and yeah. and merchants right so if people are yeah. looking for ads people right now mm-hmm. they can get get in contact with you to be able to you know work with somebody who's knowledgeable trusted they they kind of know what they're going to get out of this yeah absolutely so there are two ways for brands they can directly you know they can contact me and i'll post their opportunity in the slack for free for agencies that are looking for freelance support we have packages for them so they can post on our jobs board so it's a little bit different for agencies but brands yeah get in touch i'll leave you the link in the show notes you literally just complete a type form with 
the the platforms that you need support with what your budget is what your niche is your contact details and then that's posted in the slack and then whoever has capacity reaches out to you so that's worked really well we've paired quite a few brands with uh, freelancers awesome now we've talked about you know lots of the good about the ad the ads world let's let's maybe touch on on some of the not so good you know you you must you must the juicy exactly right we're getting to the meat of it now you must have seen some stuff um in your time that has either kind of made your toes curl or you've just you know had to run a mile what's what's the what's the worst stuff you've seen so i guess there's a two 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 pronged thing to this two pronged element to that so there are obviously accounts that i will audit or i will start working with a brand who's had a previous ads partner and i look in their ad account and i think wow (laughs) this is not good um your money has been misspent i don't understand at all what is going on here unfortunately there are lots of agencies other freelancers i mean i am a champion for freelancers but you know not everyone is amazing there are some sharks out there as well and you just think you must be really good at sales to have landed this or maybe the brand tried to cut a cost and like hired someone bad and it's actually cost them a lot of money i mean there was a brand <clears throat> that contacted me recently and i've just finished doing some consultancy with them and they were recommended an agency abroad by one of their peers. So another e-commerce brand had worked with them. It was an absolute disaster. Like I was horrified what happened to them. And I'm not saying this as a scare tactic. Okay. But this is the worst I've ever come across. So um, they only worked with them for two months because they were a luxury women's wear brand so obviously they have strict guidelines on their brand messaging their imagery all that kind of stuff they never once saw an ad that was published on their behalf from the agency they never got any reports anything like that they just knew that their money was being spent so they terminated the contract Uh, and this is quite common if you're not if you don't have anyone internally that understands the complexity of facebook business manager this happens a lot okay so just be wary about who you're working with. They didn't remove anyone from the agency from the from their business business manager account. The account got hacked, and it looked like, I mean, the only admin that wasn't removed was the person from the agency, and then the hacker was in there. So, it it kind of looks like the agency admin hacked got allowed a hacker into the account. And then, you know, they were trying to WhatsApp the agency contact saying, can you please remove these people? And, you know, they've never confirmed anything in writing. It was all very dodgy. But they racked up thousands in this account, which Facebook refused to refund because it's like, well, no, because it wasn't a hack. Okay, so that means that the admin did let the person in. So this brand is quite high profile they had they dressed people for the coronation they had high you know celebs at chelsea flower show all this kind of stuff dressed they couldn't run ads during this whole time to say you know we you know we've dressed these people or you know all that social proof absolute gold mine for them it would have been mm-hmm. 
so yeah they couldn't run ads then they brought me on because they couldn't find anyone to help them so i basically sorted out all their issues for them and we got ads running but they only started running ads about three or four weeks ago so they missed most of their summer trading for their fashion you know for their summer collection they haven't hit their sales target at all because they missed out on so much money from all these like amazing high profile events and now they're having to do like a massive discount to clear the, the inventory so for me I, I, it just made me really sad that this happened but it's just a massive lesson you know if an agency or a partner is charging you a certain amount of money it's because and if you've done your due diligence obviously which is hard for them because it was a referral it's for a reason it's because the people there are very skilled in what they do like try not to cut corners on your ads costs because the cost could, to your business could be actually a lot higher i mean if you think about what they had to pay me to sort out the mess the opportunity cost to get all the you know all the stock they didn't sell you know it's just it just blows my mind that is the worst thing i've seen this year and it's just ugh, that really made my toes toes curl that is terrifying I, I mean, that, that's got to be a brand's worst nightmare. Just And then being locked out effectively and yeah. at the mercy of... I mean, Facebook clearly needs the cash. Um, which they, is... to, to, in, in Facebook's defence, they, they disabled the account quite quickly because they noticed it was unusual activity on the account, which is quite rare because that, that sometimes they let you run for like five-figure sums in that account before they block it. Um but they still wouldn't refund it. So oh. it's still not paid now. The brand refuses to pay for it. Um, but yeah, this that's like a nightmare, horrific scenario of what can happen if you partner with the wrong people. Oh my God. So yeah, oh there's sharks God. out there still. So moving to a slightly more positive mm, note. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> When when is a good time for a brand to get involved with an ads manager? When when should people be looking to bring somebody like you in to work on their ads? Sure. So I always say to e-commerce brands, do you have a proof of concept? So are people buying your stuff without you running ads? So, you know, you might have good social media presence, maybe you're doing a lot of live shows. So I know a lot of brands kind of do a lot of markets or trade shows first to get lots of feedback to help with their product development and stuff like that. If you are making sales on your website, and this isn't family and friends, this is from people that do not know you, you have proof of concept. That means people want your thing. So when you start running ads, it's likely that your ads are going to work better because there is demand for what you're selling. You also need to make sure your website is good. So what do I mean by that? Do you have a conversion rate on the website of 2% upwards? Um, you can see this in your Shopify dashboard. Um, do you have your email marketing flow set up? I always recommend having Klaviyo integrated with Shopify as like the gold standard for e-commerce. Don't get me started on WooCommerce. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I'm just sitting here like nod nodding along at this tech stack like, yes, yeah, I, I couldn't it's agree just... more. Yep which is probably a whole different podcast episode um <laughs> but you know just and also organic social media needs to be consistent which does shock a lot of brands they think oh i'll launch something never launch with ads a new product with ads because you have you're basically spending money to test which is very expensive and 
if you don't have a consistent presence on social media organically, when people come across your ad and they don't know you, what are they going to do? They're going to check you out. So they might not buy it automatically. They might go on your social media profile. They might Google you. You know, there's like 20 touch points or something usually before people buy. So if your social media account is looking pretty sketchy, it's got no followers, and I'm going to come on to that in a second, but it's not like the brand's not consistent, you know, you haven't posted for a while, it's going to look scammy and it's going to affect how many people purchase from you as well. Plus, you're not going to have any data from your organic profile that Facebook can use for your ads. But I mean, on the follower thing, do not buy followers either. It's literally going to be the death of your e-commerce business because all the data from those fake followers are bots and that will massively impact the data quality you have for your ad account. So yeah, don't do that. <laughs> so there's there's no shortcuts. You've got to, no, you've got this to is do what, the hard yards. Yeah, first. you have. And lots of people see ads as the, the shortcut but it's actually a very expensive mistake. And a lot of brands like fold because they overspend on ads before they're ready or, you know, they might end up paying for a partner that is too big for them at the time. So something I see with smaller brands is they will hire a big agency to work with them at the beginning. And I don't advise that at all because you'll be their smallest client. You'll get the most junior person managing your ads and I think you'll be disappointed because it's not going to be the level of service you expect. And I think for such a small company, every penny counts. So you really want to make sure that you've got someone that's 100% focused on you, strategic enough to guide you on what you need to be tweaking outside of your ads to get the most return for your money. That's really good advice. That's really good advice. Now, Aggie, you you have some pretty big life events coming up. You could say that, yeah. <laughs> you, you're, expe- yeah. you're expecting a baby. When are you expecting? September? Yeah, seven weeks to go. <laughs> what um, What is happening for you, um, you know, up until that point? And then, you know, what's, what's the plan for you moving forwards? Because you're going to take a bit of time out, I'm hoping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, spend some time with this baby. And then... What's going to happen with your business whilst you're whilst you're on mat leave? So I'm hoping it doesn't crash and burn. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm going to be honest, okay? It's one of those things where there's no certainty, okay? There's no, there, I've never met a single woman, whether she's employed in full-time employment or has her own business, that thinks I'm going to come back and everything's going to be the same in however long it's going to be like you just you have to prep as much as you can and I'm really like preparing a lot you know I've got my maternity leave covers like lined up been signing contracts this week so that's all good getting some processes in place scheduling all my marketing content all that kind of thing um and at the beginning I thought three months I'm just going to take three months off that'll be enough but I've had a baby before. This is my second. It was a nightmare. I'm not going to lie. The first three months, you just don't sleep. <laughs> it's extremely stressful. As much as it's a lovely time, it's it's all consuming and you're not yourself. You're literally just like in this delusional like bubble. <laughs> I remember driving to work after my first was born and sitting in traffic. And you didn't fall asleep, fall, did you? Falling asleep. Yeah, I'm so ashamed to say that I'd just fall asleep, you know, and people would then beat me and I, it's terrifying and it's scary, right? Because mm. 
what can you do? You're trying to you're trying to work, but also you're getting absolutely zero sleep, and you're turning yeah. up, and you're just a shell of a human being. And I don't. I that's. And I'm just being realistic with my past experience about what I was like. Thankfully, I was on like I was full time employed at the time, so I was on full pay maternity at the time. Um, this time, obviously, when you have your own business, you have to really prepare financially. So that buffer has been building up during my, you know, prep. Um, but also I need to think, is it fair on my clients for me not to be 100 percent? So it's not fair for me not to be fully available in my view. You know, what we what, what I do is I raise money through advertising for brands. If I'm not up to it that's actually going to massively impact my client's bottom line. And that's stressful for them. It's really stressful for me as an ads manager. Like I really am too sensitive, I think. And I really take it on if, if something's not quite working. So I think add sleep deprivation into that. Add, you know, whatever else is going on baby wise. It's not that fair to do. So I've got open contracts with my maternity leave covers and it's just going to be like a play it by ear kind of situation. I have to say like a lot of my clients, well, I'd say three of them came on board when I knew I was pregnant. I was very open with them when I was speaking to them about supporting them and they were absolutely fine, which is a shock to me. I actually expected to lose a lot of business opportunities through that. So from the beginning, they've known that they'll, they have me until September, then there'll be a switch for a couple of more, a few months and then I'm back. So yeah, I'm hoping by the time I come back, all my clients are thriving. Everyone's really happy. And then I just slot back in and I take over. I mean, my goal and my dream, I think would be to like expand my business. So I would like to be more like an e-commerce growth business. So not just offer ads or paid social, but email and Google, it's like the trio, I think, that I see mm -hmm. that really supports brands and just help them scale through those three channels. I think that's where the magic can really happen. Um, at the moment, a lot of my clients will partner with like different agencies for different channels. And I don't like that not having the complete visibility about what else is happening because mm -hmm. that can massively impact how you do things. If you can see, oh, this is working on the Google side. Okay, we can tweak this to help the Google. Or this email campaign worked really well with this messaging. Let's like, you know, translate that into the Facebook ads and then it'll be more consistent. Like all these little tweaks can really make a big difference in how a company performs. Oh, massively. And I think, you know, if you can break down those silos and start to to understand the whole picture, then all of a sudden life gets gets so much easier yeah so definitely. much easier but yeah so let's that... see how i feel after maternity leave i might just be like nah <laughs> i'm not ready to scale <laughs> <laughs> well look if there's if there's one thing that we can give people you know from today um what's going to be your your takeaway for people my takeaway is be strategic so you know work smarter not harder be really specific on what you're trying to achieve and just be really like focused on that I think a lot of people get diverted and distracted by shiny object syndrome there are no shortcuts unfortunately like you really just have to put the work in to get your foundation strong and once that happens you can start gaining momentum that way so I'd say just be really focused on one thing 
do it really well and then you can build on from there nice and if people want to get hold of you aggie or want to find uh, an ads manager where can they find you so LinkedIn is probably the easiest place to find me. It's just Aggie Maroney. Um, I'll share my link with you as well. Um, I'll, and put, I'll if, put all the links in the in the show notes so that people the, can find those. Yeah, the form to um, be paired with the Freelance Ads Manager is on the website for the Freelance Ads Club. Um, and my agency website is whitebedigital.com. So they're all the places that you can find me. Perfect. Well, Aggie, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on today. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks very much, Jason. It's something to do with Ken. That's all I remember. I hope it's something to do with Ken. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see the movie. I'm seeing that next week.